Hey everyone, welcome to Still With You. I am your host, Coley Browning, and I am so excited that you are here joining me for this week's episode of the podcast. Today on the show, I am speaking with a friend that I love, trust, and turn to for all of my career questions. Sarah Stark is a fashion merchant for Neiman Marcus. She is currently living in Dallas, Texas, loves to travel, but claims Pensacola as her true home. In this episode of Still With You, Sarah speaks candidly about her experience in working in the fashion industry. Her story is one that only God could craft born out of a moment of surrender in Spain to being employed by one of the most prestigious luxury brands in the world. Her words are worth sharing over and over again. Plus, in this episode, you might pick up a few tips from Zara on how to nail your next interview. She is a friend that I admire for her belief that there is more to life than the attire you wear, Instagram likes, breathtaking city skylines, and boyfriends. There is Jesus, and He is everything. Please welcome to Still With You, my beautiful friend, Sarah Stark. Sarah, I'm just so glad that I was able to do this because I cannot believe that I caught you on a weekend when you're actually home. I've been here for the past two weeks in a row, all for different things. So you're currently living in Dallas. Share with everyone (laughs) a little bit about where you're from and what you do. And then I want to talk about Dallas because I've never been, but I want to go. Like where I grew up? Yeah. So I grew up in... Pensacola. I moved here when I was five, though. I was actually born in North Carolina, which a lot of people don't know. But I grew up here. I don't know. My childhood was pretty normal. I never had any crazy things happen. I always went on like family vacations, went through school, like yeah. was in yearbook, like very <laughs> basic things. Did softball for like nine years, all sorts of normal things. But things got crazy my senior year of high school when I was deciding where to go for school. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I got to Dallas. I went on my first missions trip to Spain, junior year of high school. And we were leading worship one Sunday in this warehouse. And it was like just hot, no AC, middle of Spain. While we were singing, I remember God telling me like, this is something that I want you to do. Like, this is it. And I was like, what? And I like stopped singing. Like I pulled back from the mic and I just remember looking around and everyone was crying and I didn't know what that meant. You know, I was like, Mm -hmm. so does this mean you want me to move to Spain? Do I need to be a missionary now? Like, what are you saying to me? And so my senior year of high school, I kind of took that to heart and was like, I want to be a missionary full time. I mean, I love travel. I love people. And I was like, this is it. So, you know how, like, senior year of high school, people will start applying to colleges, like, junior year, kind of. It's like that in-between Yeah, I knew where I wanted to go my junior year. Right. And move forward in that. So, at this point, I had already applied to all of these art schools because that's what I was good at. That's what I'm good at. I don't know anything else. So, I guess I'll go to an art school. So I had applied to all these art schools, came back and was like, crap, I have to be a missionary. Like, what am I going to do? I actually got the acceptance letter from the Art Institute of Chicago. And you can ask my mom, this This is real facts. I took the acceptance letter and threw it in the trash can. Sarah, I didn't even open it. Oh, no. (laughs) You know, I'm going to be a missionary. I don't need to go to art school. Like, this is pointless. So I threw it in the trash can. And after talking with one of our missions pastors at the time, I talked Mm -hmm. to him for like four hours. He was like, you really need to like pray about it. Like, I don't think you should just throw away your talents for there's a reason that God gave you that and all this stuff. So I 
dug in the trash, pulled the acceptance letter out, had a scholarship for $100,000. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And you just and I had in the no trash. idea. I had no idea. I was like, wow, this is a lot of money. But I still was confused because I was like, I don't want to go to art school. One, the people there, like, you know, art is their life. It was a super different environment. I was like, I don't think that this is right. Whatever. I wound up applying to UCF last minute to study religion. I was like, that's my only, like, what I know how to do to be a missionary. <laughs> so got the acceptance letter. And for a whole day, I fasted. I was Food and water. Food and water. Food and water. For a whole day until I got clarity on what my decision needed to be. And God clearly was like, I need you to go be a light at this school in Chicago. That's a really mature thing as a a senior in high school. I didn't, I never fasted once in my, my senior year of high school. Well, I didn't know what else to do at that point because I felt so conflicted. Like, you want me to be a missionary and go to art school? Like, that does not make sense in my little high school head. So, was obedient and went. And now looking back, everything makes sense. My whole journey through college was shifting how God wanted me to use international ministry. It's just amazing to see how he put me in that year in Chicago and taught me how to love people. I mean, I went to class the first day. A girl sitting next to me, like, didn't even have pants on. And that was totally normal. We had to go around the room and say our preferred pronouns. You know, small town girl from Pensacola. I was like, what do you mean? They're like, oh, you know, do you go by she or they? Mm -hmm. And I was like, whoa. Like, this is going to be harder than I thought. I learned that year more than anything how to love people. And I wish so many people could have just like a semester at that school just to see how many different kinds of people there are and just how God creates everyone and like learning to love everyone. I don't know. It was such a growing experience. Oh my Um, gosh. I cannot believe that you had that letter in the trash. I've been reading Garden City by John Mark Comer. And he talks about how he hates the word ministry because ministry can be in anything. So the fact that it was God had to explain to you that being a missionary doesn't always mean going out into the... Going overseas. Yeah, English is not your first language. It's it's going into somewhere where... God, the presence of God doesn't always seem as evident, but it is there. You just have to call it out. Yeah. I was praying for each country that year. That was also a thing really? that I did. Wow. Yeah. That is in the back of David Platt's radical book. Okay. If you go to the back, he has like five challenges, and one is to pray for a country a day for a year. Wow. And so I had a list printed, and like, I mean, it was tough though. And uh-huh. so by October, I was like, I just felt like I needed to transfer. I don't know. I kind of was like, It was super hard, Mm -hmm. and everyone there was uber passionate about art, (laughs) and I was like, I don't even want to be an artist. Like, this is not even what I want as a career. I applied for Ohio State, UNC, and Penn State, and that was an easy choice because Ohio State accepted. I had like 75 credits, and the rest of the schools were like, we're not taking any of your transfer credits. And Ohio State was like, we'll take all. Yeah, that's, that was an easy So one. that was like easy. So then I left Chicago in May and moved to Ohio in August. And in between, during the summers, I worked in Georgia for Chick-fil-A camps. Oh, what, my gosh. What, I didn't even know they had a camp. What's, what is that like? It's called Windshaped Camps. They have over 30,000 campers a year. They do it at Berry College in Georgia, 
Young Harris College, and then there's another college, and then they also have camps in Brazil. They also have camps in Costa Rica. They have traveling camps that go to different cities throughout the whole southeast region. And I got to be a camp counselor for 7th and 8th grade girls and then 10th grade girls. So it's like Chick-fil-A sponsoring a summer camp. Yeah. It's basically Chick-fil-A run. On Fridays, all the families come and they get Chick-fil-A and they get like Trudy Kathy White had like a video message and stuff. And she would come speak at our staff training and things like that. They would train us based on Chick-fil-A standards. I highly recommend any college student who wants like a summer job or a camp job, they need to do it. I met some of my best friends there from different universities. They pay you well. They treat you well. Oh, so you were paid too. It wasn't oh, just yeah. volunteer. Wow. It was nice. It was it was glamping. It was not glamping. <laughs> it was glamping. I mean, but it was fun. It was really fun. So you moved from Chicago to this camp in Georgia for your summer, and then you transferred to Ohio. Ohio. I want everyone to also get a context of just when you say art, what are you actually studying while you're going to these universities? So at the Art Institute, I did 2D and 3D media. So my classes were not lecture style. We were in six hour long studio classes, painting, drawing, everything. Um, As freshmen, you also had to take like a standard class. So I did video projects, recording projects. I mean, you name it. And it wasn't graded. We didn't have grades. Everything was just like you hang your art up on the wall and your classmates talk about it. That's what I did there. But at Ohio State, I was in communications. That was my major there, which is pretty standard. I knew I liked people. That was all I knew. Yeah. I was like, I don't know what to study, but I know I love people and I love talking and communication seemed like a good fit. Yeah. And I think a lot of college students now, I just hear them stress so much over their major. And I just think like, it's okay to change your major. It's okay to not know what you love. I mean, my stepping stone was I love people. Like that's not much to go based off of, but it's led me to where I am. So I'm grateful. No, you've heard me have those conversations with you of saying like, I love people too. And (laughs) help me, Sarah, like tell me what I'm supposed to do with these next steps after, after I graduate. And you've been so good at giving me advice, but I was at Ohio State for two years. So in between, I also was in Georgia again for the summer. Oh, wow. Um, That's great. So I was there. So I got to do two different summers with them. So after I graduated from Ohio State, that was in May of 2018, I knew at this point that I wanted to go into fashion. So my senior year of college, I started working at Saks Fifth Avenue, kind of got into fashion that way. Did Chicago spark that in you, though? Yeah, it did. I did some work with Chicago Fashion Week, which is put on by Fashion Bar Chicago. So I did everything from like, I think one of their hosts was Miss Illinois. And I had to like pass out her business cards and stuff like that. (laughs) Get her water. I was like her assistant for the day. And then I did stuff like lining up models, last minute fixes and sewing. A really funny story. I actually panicked mid fashion show one time. And left, like, middle of the show was just overwhelmed because it was that intense. (laughs) So it was like Project Runway. Wow. It was really fun, but really I cannot even imagine (laughs) that atmosphere. Yeah. They were like, can you do this makeup on this model? And I just, I was like, 
I, I'm panicking. <laughs> did you do it? Did you end up doing the um, makeup? I did it on a few models. They took like a break and then they came back and were like asking me to do some more and then to fix this and that. And, you know, this is like at the Chicago Conservatory, very rich people watching and all this stuff and designers and stuff. And I was this freshman in college. Like it was just weird. I was mm-hmm. like, like, how did I lot. find myself here? Yes. Um, what led me to this I moment? I was on like rooftops with models and I was like, this is not a normal freshman college life. <laughs> yeah. So I did a little bit there, loved fashion, loved clothes. It's artsy, but also you can do business with it, which is why I liked mm-hmm. it. When I graduated, I actually had a job that I thought was lined up for me, but it fell through and it was to work with Gucci in Dallas, actually. I didn't have any like inkling, like I have to move to Dallas. That's yeah. just where the job was. Yeah. Had four interviews with them, flew to Dallas, was pretty sure I was going to be in a suit and working for Gucci. And then I had this weird feeling that I, that wasn't right. Mm-hmm. And I turned them down after like the fourth interview. I mean, it was like between me and one other person. And I was like, I just oh, think wow. that it's like... Did they kind of look down on that? Because like who... Who says no to a company of that prestige? Right. You know? well, and and I you were the, between you and another girl, like you came that far. Right. And it was kind of more of like a, I didn't just say no. It was more of like a, well, I would have to move and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. The other girl, she was like a manager at Bloomingdale's for years. I mean, she had way more experience okay. than me. And I just, and she already lived in Dallas. And so I think it was just kind of like a, we're not sure. And I was like, I'm not sure. So it was just kind of like a maybe go with the other person type of deal. Yeah. And then I studied for my LSATs all summer for law school. Yeah. And I remember, do you remember that? Yeah. That was when I went to, started going to Yeah. That was when our friendship started. I remember like praying over you with your, with your tests and all the things that you were starting. And I was like, oh my goodness, like what does this girl not do? (laughs) You know, after having conversations with you about all of your life experiences. It was super weird to move back home. After doing everything yeah. for the past three years. I mean, I was just like an intern at a nonprofit. I was working at Saks. I was doing school full time. I was in Chicago. Like to go from all of that to, oh, I'm back in my small hometown. All of my friends are like, you know, not the same after high school and I don't have a job. It was just weird. It was super weird. <laughs> I was like, I got to look at this. Like I just moved to a brand new place. Brand new place. I'm moving back. I want to find a church. Mm -hmm. And I found Liberty downtown and started going and met everyone. And I was pretty set on doing law school. But I think it was more so for God to get me to stay here more than anything, which kind of sounds crazy. But I was like, my whole life kind of sounds crazy. So I was (laughs) like, it is what it is. But sometimes God knows what he needs to do in order to get people to listen to him and to stay in one city or go to the next city. He knows exactly what that thing is that he needs to put in their life to do that. That's what I did. I stayed here for eight months and got a call from Neiman Marcus in November. They flew me out to interview with 40 other girls. They were picking 20. And this is where I started following you even like harder on like because I wanted to see how this story was going to turn out 
Do you remember that intense. when we when we like would pray in the atrium before you'd yes. go back to Dallas every every time? Yes, because yeah. it was intense. I mean, it was like phone call here, phone call there. Let's fly you out. And forty people they get thousands of applications. They narrow it down to forty, and then they pick twenty out of the forty people that were there. Only nine of us. We're from out of the company. Stop right there. Everyone just here, just to reiterate what she said, thousands down to 40, down to nine people from internationally are coming for this position, which what, what is the position that you've... Assistant buyer. Yeah. Assistant buyer for Neiman Marcus. So you think like there's a lot of majors in retail merchandising Mm -hmm. to work for a luxury brand as an assistant buyer out of college is like, that's what they want. So it was intense. I did not know that going into the interview, which we had like four back-to-back interviews. I didn't know that like over 90% of the people there already were in the company for two years and were just promoted basically. Yeah. Out of the 20 that were picked, it was me and then I think three or four other people who were from out of state and out of the company. Super intense. Your words to me were it was like a sorority rush. It was it was like yeah, rushing. It was. I mean, on a huge grander <laughs> That's level. The fashion but yeah, but you, that was how you could explain it to me, who had never yep. been in that kind of environment. It was weird. It was like we were in this really nice hotel, and I went down to meet everyone for our first interview, which was dinner, and everyone was in their Louboutins and black blazers. And I was like, what am I doing here? I showed up in like my H&M blazer and like my Zara pants and I was trying. I was trying really hard. Oh my goodness. It was intense. But now I think, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to not be materialistic in the fashion industry because that's your job. Yeah. And I use that as an excuse sometimes. And it's hard to catch myself when I'm being materialistic versus like, this is my job. Mm -hmm. I need to represent myself in my industry. Yeah. But I definitely have some things that are too expensive. Well, I I think that comment also answered the question is that you got the job, right? I did. Yeah. Which is amazing. I did. I was blown away. I got called in January. So this was a whole six month process before I actually got to start the job. And I started at the end of March. Luckily, it was easy to move because I was home. I had friends and family help me, and I moved out to Dallas at the end of March. And so I've been there for four months now. What are you doing on a day-to-day basis? What does your job look like? The fun thing is, like, day-to-day it changes. Okay. So that's really fun. Give us a highlight, then. I have probably about 70 or 80 brands. I do designer jewelry and trend jewelry are my department's. And I specifically do them for all of our last call stores, which is more fun in my opinion because our last call stores are like our discounted stores. It gives me more opportunity to be my own boss. Yeah. Day to day, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. The fun parts of the job, when we have vendors come in, they'll bring all of their product for fall. They'll set it up in a big showroom, and I get to literally go around with with my buyer and then my coordinator and just pick out whatever I think will look good for fall, and we buy it, and it's like a dream. (laughs) I just actually went on their website before meeting with you just to like, yes, just to look on their website. It says their fall collection, you know, they're, they're airing that right now. And so like you had Mm -hmm. a hand in that. That is uh, insane to me. That is so cool. And I am like processing the orders. So I process all the orders and I track the orders to make sure 
that they come in and that everything gets sent to our team who then uploads everything to the websites and stuff like that. So I write the orders, send them to the vendors. If I mess up the littlest bit, like if I don't mark something to go to online, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be online. If I don't put something on the original purchase order, then it's not going to show up. It's a lot of detail, a lot of little things that have to make it perfect. And I get all the UPCs. I make sure that I do all the color coding. Like if you ever look at a tag and it says like the color on the tag, I write that. The fun parts are like picking the product. The not so fun parts are like when you have a shipment that gets sent to Pennsylvania and you're like, well, why is all of our product in Pennsylvania? Have you ever picked something that they are not happy with? Where they're like, this was, you just, you missed the mark. Well, everything that I pick has to get approved before we buy. But even in taking that step to where it's been approved, have you ever been rejected for your... Oh, yeah. Which is... Do you take it personally a little? No, just because I think it's hard because everyone has their different tastes, right? And Mm so you have to really be like, okay, this is a trend even if I don't like it. Yeah. This is something that our customer is going to buy even if I don't like it. So you're not even thinking about, I think this is cute. You're thinking about what will sell. Right. And our customer is like, she's older. She's, you know, not necessarily... She's not buying Super her shoes hit. from Target. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hey, she I might. I'm not do. judging. I still do. <laughs> it's hard sometimes, but yeah. I think I pick pretty good stuff. And I haven't been in the company long enough to know what last fall's trends did selling wise. And so that's something that I have to adhere to by my boss because she'll be like, you know, we tried this last fall and it didn't work. Something like that. So I also get to bring in vendors, which is my favorite part of the job. So if I find a cute jewelry vendor online, I can literally like get them in our stores. Stop. Isn't that cool? Oh my god. That's goodness. like my favorite part. Wow. You literally are like a fairy godmother. I know. I'm bringing someone's I know. wish come true. I like, like, I will, I get to reach out to them. I get to set them up with all their forms. I get to, you know, get their product and have those conference calls and Within months, are they excited? They're like when online. They get, are they excited when you they get the phone call? Yeah, most of them are because I try to find vendors who are already in our competitors. So I'll look at you know Saks Office, Nordstrom mm-hmm. Rack, other competitors, and if they're all carrying a brand that we don't have and it's selling well for them, I'm like, we need to get them in. Yeah, and so that's normally what I look at. But I also kind of look at smaller jewelry businesses. That's what I'm talking about when you're targeting the people who are kind of didn't even realize they had a shot at something as big as Neiman Marcus. Yeah. It's tricky with them that I have to really make sure that they have the capability to produce as much as we need. And like, you know, a lot of smaller boutiques, they're either making their jewelry out of their house and stuff. And I'm like, I can't. But yeah, it's cool to have that power and get to make our customers happy. So that's the fun parts, but it's yeah. also got some not fun parts. So. Jump back for a second when we talked, you were talking about how it's hard to keep your focus away from materialistic items in a, in an industry where all it is, is, is fashion and shoes and jewelry and, and art though. And I don't want to bash it because right. it is it beautiful. Is like there's a reason why they say when someone walks through a room, like you can't take your eyes off them. In this interview, one of the things I was thinking about was like, I do not want to bash the fashion industry no. at all, but you, you said that you've had a few struggles with it as well. It is an art. And that's why I got into it because when I look at clothing, 
I look at the structure. I look at the material. I know how long it takes to, because I've tried to sew something and like, you just have an appreciation for the creativity that goes into creating one dress. Mm -hmm. But it's super hard because a lot of my coworkers have money and a lot of them have multiple Chanel bags, multiple, you know, and it's just like, man, I want that. I, you know, I want to fit in. I want to be able to have all these other things too. But at the end of the day, you're also like, am I really about to spend $1,500 on a handbag? That kind of sounds insane, (laughs) but it's a craft, you know, you kind of go back and forth with Mm -hmm. like, I don't know if this is okay. And I've bought some very expensive stuff that I don't need. Mm -hmm. I don't need it. And then it's hard because then I'm like, well, what's my tithe? I feel like spending $500 on sunglasses and then you go to church and give, what, $50 maybe? And it's like, oh man, that is so backwards because God gives you everything. It's really tricky. And to even just consistently keep tithing and then, but then I'll see, you know, a shoe that I want and it's easy for me to just save up to buy that. And so it's like, where's my heart? Where's my motivation? Yeah, when you go into work every day and all of your coworkers are dressed to the nine, you're like, okay. Well, thank you for being Um, honest about that because I guarantee you there's someone who's listening who may not work at Neiman Marcus and have that kind of pressure, but there is some sort of pressure about appearance in in the environment they're in. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to think of another industry that's probably similar. Like the medical field, I mean, they probably have the expectation to feel healthy all the time. If they're a nurse, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you're in medicine, like, don't shouldn't you be eating healthy all the time? And yeah, I even think even of uh, TV personalities is that, you know, they can be very critical. Have you ever oh, heard yeah. of articles of even with pregnant women when they've, like, written in about, like, they're not acceptable for television? Right. I'm like, that's ridiculous. Like, she's clearly can work she's up until – if you, you wouldn't say that if she was – you know, a teacher, you'd have right. her working up until the day of when she needed to have have the child, right. you know? And so it's different when it's something about when your job is pressured by what yeah. you can see and not by what you can do. And in fashion too, a cool thing is one of my coworkers, she actually did a week without makeup going to work. Like she was like, I'm not going to wear makeup this week. And she was in the beauty buying offices. And I was like, whoa, that's, you know, that's saying something that's they really say? intense. I think everyone commended her for it because I think a lot of people in my industry are like, I got to have the whitest teeth, the best makeup, the best clothes, and look like a fashion model all the time. And so I thought it was cool that she was like, I'm going to show off my real skin and go to work like that. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. And I used to do like, if you look at my Instagram, I used to have like all these fashion photos and stuff, and I've really tried my hardest to be more present and not worry as much about what people think about not try to show all my clothes off online and well you've had conversations with me before in sharing that you said you've had some judgment from people who look at your Instagram they see it, see a version of the Sarah that they think is perfect and has it all together and you oh my are gosh, like oh my yeah, goodness I have there's it. a whole different side of me which yeah you know I I'm grateful for you being honest uh, about that and sharing because I think so many times myself honestly included like everyone yeah I think everyone is Instagram's a highlight reel or even the phrase that I keep hearing and keep thinking about is like don't compare your beginning with someone else's middle oh, which good. is why what a lot of what I've been learning 
from you is I've just graduated and, you know, you're the one who encouraged me to do an yeah. internship program, you know, which I've been doing. I'm, I'm so grateful to have your voice in my life where you're, you know, out in Dallas killing it and doing amazing in what you're doing. And like, honestly, like I think walking in that calling, even of being a missionary, Sarah in Spain is living that out in Dallas. It may not have been exactly what you look like. And who's to say that God doesn't have that in store for you, that you in the future will be in a a dirt floor church, you know, somewhere, you know, that's not out of the question, but I think that it's so cool that you're taking the time to invest in me and other girls around you of like, this is the reality and it's not all that it's cracked up to be as well. Oh yeah. That is huge. That is something that like I have learned probably the most about this whole thing is I got everything checked off. That's why I tell people I have everything that most college graduates would want checked off their list. I have a great apartment complex, really nice. I have a nice salary, paid vacation. I get to work in a high-rise building on the 28th floor that overlooks the city. Yeah. Fashion discounts. I get to work for a fashion company. I get it's what a, people want. I have like a boyfriend. A yeah. I have like what everybody thinks that they want. And I have never felt more empty in my life in the past like four months than I have. Mm-hmm. And it's because I've realized like I work so hard for this and this is not what satisfies people. And so I just think that anybody who is Whatever you're striving for. It doesn't matter if you're in school or not. Yeah. If you're striving for a house, if you're striving for that family, if you're striving for something and that is your goal, then you're never going to be satisfied. Even now, I'm a very future forward thinking person. And now I'm like, oh, I want that house. I want that family. I want that picture perfect life. If you don't have the joy of Jesus, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter if you make $5 an hour or $25 an hour. You're going to be so sad and so empty if you don't stay focused on that. And that's something I've had to work for because I was very sad. Like, And I still have breakdowns all the time just because I'm like, what am I doing? Like, (laughs) I have all these nice things and I don't feel joyful or happy. And Mm -hmm. it's because I'm not spending that time with God and truly like being with him. Wow. I think that's like the biggest thing. And I mean, I think Instagram's great. And I don't think that people necessarily should just be like posting sad stuff, you know? <laughs> the that's, downer real. You yeah. don't need to yeah. be that real. Like it's fun to show people. And usually what I post is if I'm traveling or friends or yeah. um, something like that. But I also don't want people to just think that I just get to travel and have the life and have a great job and have all the cool things and that that means that I have a great life because sometimes I'm like, I would rather be on that dirty floor in Africa helping people who don't know my name. Mm. That's a Jesus was a servant. It's not about us at all. You're bringing selflessness though to a very again i don't want to bash that industry at all because they they, they're creating they created the clothes i'm wearing what am i saying you know my michael kors jeans here like yeah it really is what people picture it is it is i was gonna say selflessness to a selfish industry but it's it's not it's not in some level but i don't i think i hope everyone can understand what i'm trying to say by that right now and i mean my coworkers directly are not like that and Mm -hmm. i think i've gotten very lucky my office is great but yeah you do get that feeling yeah yeah sometimes I'm just like you know what 
if my hair is not perfect today, it's not the end of the world. Like mm-hmm. Jesus still loves me. <laughs> like if I don't that's get 150 right. likes on my picture, who cares? Like, yeah, that's true. That's not why you're posting it. So yeah, that's exactly right. That's right. Okay. On a totally different note, will you please share with everyone? Cause I have a lot of listeners who are in their season of where they're trying to establish their, their career. Can you tell about how you wrote thank you notes for that interview? Cause yes. that's something that you taught me. That, that was I my just game plan. Used yesterday. <laughs> I just used it with an interview. Yeah. I handed out all of my thank you notes. Go ahead. So I can't take full credit for this because a girl named Kaylin actually told me about it. When I went to assessment for my interview with Neiman Marcus, the girl at the table was like, Hey, just so you guys know, handwritten thank you notes, huge. And I was the only one at my table, I think, that actually took it to heart. I went to CVS at the end of the long day and I bought thank you notes. I knew who I was interviewing with, right? So if you know the name of who you're interviewing with, Mm -hmm. write it beforehand. You can write a generic thank you card beforehand and then at the end of your interview, give it to them. And it speaks miles because not only do they have a piece where they have your name on it. Even if they just take it and open it later, they're going to remember you because they have that now. But it also just shows your appreciation for their time. Like these people have real full-time jobs. They don't have to be interviewing you. Yeah. Like they have a lot of stuff to do. I think in interviews, it's important to be yourself. Most people are either too stiff. They don't show any personality or they're not serious enough and they are not taking the job seriously. It's also good to know your company before you go interview with them. Mm -hmm. That's huge. Do your research. Yeah. Know something about the company because especially for like a big corporate, if you're like looking for corporate stuff, they're going to want to know that you know about them. Yeah. Their values and their beliefs and their mission statements. Yes. Yeah. Which is something, again, you taught me because I wore coordinating colors, we'll say, (laughs) with the company that I interviewed for the other day. And I did my thank you notes. And I think that they were impressed by that. They did not see that coming. Because it's not something that a lot of people think of, but I'm telling you. Again, as I mentioned earlier, you encouraged me to do an internship. Is there any other little nuggets of information that someone young professional needs to know, like they can just take with them as they're driving in their car or on their treadmill or whatever, that they can (laughs) tuck away and remember? Get mentors. That's my biggest thing. Find people who do what you are interested in and ask them about it before you invest your whole life into it. With law school, I was like, I need to talk to someone who's actually a lawyer to know what this is like before I invest my whole life into it. Get someone who has experience and can tell you about the job not just based off Google Mm. and someone who's going to be able to guide you and push you at the end of the day. I just think it's important to just know what you love and go after that. And the specifics will come later. Take the two things you like. You like biking and whatever, you know, just like run with it. But I think I told you this, but like it's better to take a step somewhere than to take no steps at all yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And I think a lot of people just wait and wait and wait and instead of putting themselves out there, especially with Christians, they'll kind of sometimes say like, well, I don't know if it's God's will. I just think that you can be in God's will wherever you are doing whatever you're doing. That's right. You can serve him and love people and make disciples no matter what you're doing. Like, I don't know to pick this job or this job or this school or move to this city, at the end of the day, God's going to put you where he wants you. And so 
I don't know if you should necessarily be overly stressed about being in his will because you can be that anywhere. That feels a lot like the talk that your youth minister gave you. Yep, exactly. That makes sense. Yeah. Especially like college, people going into college and they're like, I don't know what college to pick. It's like, do you like this one? Do you like this one? (laughs) Go to this one. You know, like, and I do think you should pray about stuff. Definitely. I'm not saying don't pray (laughs) about decisions, but I believe that you can be in God's will anywhere. Yeah. And so just, just make that step, make that phone call, make that email, apply for that job, whatever it is. Yeah. Because... I've had the thought of that too, of if I made a decision out of selfishness, how can even God meet me there? Like, yeah, maybe initially I did this for my own gain, which I have done before. Well, now that I'm here, I've seen it used not in, and it's in even smaller areas where I just did something. I was like, oh, well, I did probably did that for myself, but God can use that. Exactly. And sometimes it takes him... He needs you to take that job in order for you to see what you actually, he actually wants you right. to do. I love that. We need to ask one more thing. Tell, okay. tell us what's your favorite thing about Dallas right now. My favorite. Just because we've been talking about this city and because if anyone's following you, I know that we've talked about Instagram, but it's so cool to see the places <laughs> that you travel and visit. So what is your favorite part about that city right now? I don't love the city in general. <laughs> But I think my favorite thing is the barbecue is phenomenal. <laughs> really good barbecue. Really? Not the rooftop pool? Do you remember oh, that? Oh, I do like that. That water was like glass. But um, it was so, that was so cool to see. Like rooftops are in most cities. And so I think that any big city you can find a nice rooftop. Bar. Yes, but that, that pool was, it was like a nice pool. Like overflowing <laughs> on the sides. Yeah. And There's you saw really every nice angle of the Okay, so tell me what the barbecue. The, they have really good barbecue. I mean, it's just the best I've ever had, ever. The weather is actually really nice. Most people think it's, like, extremely hot, but I guess coming from the humidity of Florida, I think it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, 95, this feels amazing. But I don't really love it. <laughs> you don't love it? But is it because you miss Chicago? No, because I love Boston. I love San Diego. I have so many cities that I think mm-hmm. are beautiful. I just think Dallas is just a city. There's nothing like special about it. Okay. It's there's no beach, there's no mountains. There's Sarah, no... you know I'm a small town girl, so I'm just so excited. I get excited. <laughs> Cities still excite me. I've not traveled as much yeah. as you have, so it is a regular city. There are cactuses everywhere, like themed like restaurants will have cactus themed stuff. Yeah. Um I did get tacos one time served on edible cactus. That was interesting. Oh my gosh. I tried it. It tasted like grass, so I'm not <laughs> you do you try the cactus? You yeah. Mean? It tastes like it I've never had good. grass. What does grass taste like? I don't know. <laughs> it tastes like dirt. I don't know. It was gross. Oh gosh. So do they that. grill the cactus before they serve mm-hmm. it? Oh that's it was like, like grilled. I know that's tacos. beautiful. Yeah. It was cool. One of the reasons why I'm also asking this is that, you know, did you know that Houston is the most diverse city in America right now? Really? Yeah. There, I was huh. wondering if there was kind of, and I mean, also like Austin is very authentic. So I didn't know, like kind of, I was trying to get your idea yeah. of like what the vibe of Dallas was, if there's anything that's cool, but I'm sorry that you it's, don't like it right no, now. It's I like, still want to visit so though. So from what I've heard, well, and most people who come visit want to see Magnolia uh-huh. and that's cool. I've been there a few times. What I've heard from Dallas people who have lived there, Dallas looks at Austin as like the hippie city. Oh, sure. Very like hipster. Houston, they call it like, they kind of call it like the armpit because it's like on the water. And so oh, there's yeah. a lot of bugs and it's very humid. <laughs> 
So a lot of people I've heard do not like Houston. Okay. I've never been. I've been to Austin. Austin's pretty cool. Dallas is more looked at as like the uppity people. Mm -hmm. And it is kind of diverse just because it's more of a, I think a lot of people are not from Dallas. It's a what you would call that city? Like a, it's, you know, it's, where it's people a, it's are in hub, and out. Though. It's a hub for every of the rest of the world for people to come in and right. do business. I understand. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of people just live there for like a few years or whatever. Yep. Mm-hmm. Fort Worth, which is next to Dallas, is where all your rodeos are. That's it. <laughs> That's the rodeo. Cowboy up. That's yeah. Cowboy land. Yeah. So it's just not my vibe, I think. Wow. It's for a time. I haven't been there for like the past I know. four weekends. <laughs> I know. So. You've been in Florida. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything you want to add before I ask you the final question? I mean, this is awesome that you even do this. So I think that it's cool that you're letting people have a voice. And that's something that I have wanted for so long. Like, you have no idea. Because like you said, I will have people come up to me and be like, man, I just wish I had your life. And I'm like, (laughs) I was crying like 10 minutes ago about my life. What are you talking about? Like, You don't want this. I have to look at it like a blessing and it is cool. My job is cool. I just think people should know that there's a lot more Mm -hmm. that go into my life and following God has been 90% of it. I never would have gone to Chicago if it weren't for God. I never would have. I would just not be here. I still want to make international uh, ministry a thing and I want to have my own business and I'm still working on getting that book done. Yeah, that, uh, that's you, that you want to write a book, yep. which I believe that will happen. I actually believe all those three things will happen. Cause there's even, in God's timing, but yeah, they will happen because I you are so. a hard worker. You just are. I hope so. And there's a lot that I think people that we didn't even get to touch on that I want people to know that would help people. Things about my life that I'm like, man, nobody really knows this stuff that I struggled with and went through. And, and I just think that it'd be, it's good. Yeah. I know a couple of conversations that you're alluding to and I, you need to save those for your book, honestly. Yeah, I want like, to. you need to. I'm not going to share them here. This is not, this is not the <laughs> it place. It would take so long. Yeah. <laughs> and like it's, a five hour but it's not even the place for it because the story, some of the things that you've told me about, they, they just need to be in a place where they can, someone can solely sit down and learn from your life of what you lived. And you're so young too. So I just cannot I even imagine God has in store. I know. Sometimes I'm just like, it's too fast. It's going so fast. Yeah. He teaches us through so many things. And I just think that I've been blessed beyond measure with the opportunities and the experiences that I've gotten to have, but also I've been challenged. I think we look at like people who have so much money and so much wealth and all this stuff. And we just think that their lives are great. If you actually talk to them, they're going through the same stuff. They're struggling too. It's it all just roots to Jesus. Without him, I don't know how people live. Like that's true. It'd be horrible. Mm, yeah. Because the show is called Still With You, I want to know where is God still with you, Sarah? I wanted to know what word do you put the emphasis on in this sentence? Is it where is God still with you or where is God still with you? You and every other guest want to know that and I can't give you an answer. <laughs> it's like whatever you take it as. I mean, I can ask I you again, you like, say that. <laughs> like, where is God still with you? It's the beauty of it because, I mean, I have my own personal answer to that. All right. And everyone else who has been on the show has taken it different ways. So it kind of changes too as you mm-hmm. go on in life. God is still with me 
in knowing that his plan is secure and his plan is right. You know, in those day-to-day moments where you're just like, I don't know how I'm going to keep getting through this. Today was hard. I don't like this. I don't like my job. I don't like my friendships, whatever it is. And I just think that God been like, hold on, keep holding on. My plan is perfect. You're going to make it. I will work everything out with my timing. So that's been keeping me like steady and steadfast, I guess. Yeah, I imagine it. And I know what you're talking about because sometimes you feel like you're doing like a plank almost like in your walk or even in your work, you know, everything. It's like you're just planking and you know, you're like, I'm about to fall. (laughs) Shaking in your arms, but you're just like, hold on and just keep that position. You're like about to give up, but God's like, no, no, no. Yeah. Or even like I, the other one, I'm such a visual person that sometimes I have to visualize like what I'm going through to follow through with it. Like I always think of a plank. And then the other one that I'd heard actually was through Survivor, the television show. This girl was talking about how you make Flint to do a fire. And she was saying how she felt like her life was like that. Sometimes she just felt like she had to keep striking. And then finally, like you just, when you're about to give up, she'd strike it one more time and yeah. then like there'd and be a flame would, yeah and it would take even take like flame and- i think it was thursday i was like really upset just about stuff going on at work and friday came in and a situation that i thought i had messed up royally and was never gonna be fixed was fixed and i was like i think god knew like god knows how to throw you that life jacket sometimes yeah. and i was like Thank you. Like, <laughs> you know, I was so upset yesterday and yeah, I love how you can resolve it just so quickly. I know it, it doesn't always happen like that. I know. I know, but when it is, it's like, why do I, I doubt? He will answer prayers. Well, I want to thank you for, first of all, making time for this. I know you are so busy. I cannot believe how busy you are that you literally drive and fly out of Pensacola <laughs> all the time that, that I managed to snag time for this. I just can't even thank you enough. But the second thing is I want to thank you for what you're doing because in my circle of friends and the people I'm walking with, there are not a lot of people who are doing what you're doing. There's a few that are in that industry, you know, mainly like I have a lot of friends that do music or worship or whatever, but there's a small percentage of you that are remotely in that world that you're in. And the fact that you have even like sacrificed your own hopes and dreams of doing international missions to go and to be a light in an industry that is doing incredible things. Like they're doing amazing things. I mean, I just want to honor them and say that, you know, I have been inspired by clothing in general, like sometimes ideas and like fresh perspective and just, it's crazy, but how much an outfit can make the difference on like your confident level. And so those are the people I owe the credit to. Thanks for being a good friend in helping me grow professionally. I, I want (laughs) to be around people who are working hard and succeeding and you're doing both of those things. I remember when we sat down for coffee earlier this year and I just was like a little sponge to like tell me everything. I'm like, thank you for that. And I'm so glad that you took it and now you're finding little things that you like that you didn't know you liked. And that's why I was like, just reach out, grab an internship, shadow someone. If you're curious about something or you feel like God's calling you to any little thing, like you're not a tree. That's my favorite quote, by the way, ever. What is it? It's from Francis Chan. I heard it in one of his sermons. He like looked at the camera and he was like, you are not a tree. And I say that to myself all the time. And it sounds stupid. (laughs) What does it mean? It means like, we're not stuck. This is why I travel so much. 
And people are like, how do you do it? And I'm like, I'm not stuck. I'm not a tree. I can save up the money and get a plane ticket. It's just prioritizing. If people are like, I really want to try to be a nurse, to become a nurse, but I can't. And I'm like, why not? Well, because, you know, I just, I don't know, it's too far-fetched. Like, I can't go back to school. And I'm like, why not? Like, we are not trees. We can make anything happen that we really want to put our minds to and our hearts to. Yeah. You can save up the money. You can... And there are certain situations where, like, obviously you can't do some stuff. But, like, in general, you're not a tree. What would happen if we even went towards that big thing? What would it change in the small things around us? You know what I mean? Which is, like, what you encouraged me to do this summer working at a television station my heart's not there at all right but oh my goodness but what you learn what I've learned from that I feel like that's just getting started yeah. on what I'm learning there. and that's what it is like taking steps yeah just doing something yeah different to step outside your comfort zone I want to start my own business I can't just say oh it's gonna be a success it could flop on its face you know like but yeah. I can't just not do anything. I have to try. So, yeah. You are so innovative. I do not think it would fall <laughs> on its face. I think you would very well prepare I and know. you would be so, so well in that role. Thank you I so try. much for this. I really Thank appreciate it. you. You're welcome anytime. And I'm so excited <laughs> for all the things God has for you. Thanks, Cole. You're the best. You're like <laughs> such an encourager. I love it. I mean it. I mean all that I say. Guys, I just love Sarah. I'm so thankful for her in my life, and I hope you all loved hearing from her today. Truthfully, you are only hearing half of it. We merely scratched the surface with the stories that she has to share. I am so excited for her bright future, and we are definitely going to have to have her back on the podcast. If you did not catch it earlier, my name is Coley, and I am so glad that you are here. If you would like to connect with me, which I would love, please drop me a message through my website, coleybrowning.com, or you can follow me on social media, at Coley Browning. That's K-O-H-L-I-E and Browning Like the Rifle. I would love to hear your thoughts from listening to the show. Before we close, I'd like to remind you that the music you're listening to in the background is from my sweet friend, Christy Masing. If you would like to connect with her, you can visit her website, christymasing.com, or, or follow her on social media, at Christy Masing. Thanks so much for hanging out with me. Until then be bold, be brave, be you, and remember that he is still with you.